Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our Q&A sessions, where David and Brent answer questions from the audience and also any questions from our social media followers. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to yet another Q&A with David Hubert and myself, um, Brent George. Uh, we have um, more questions piling up, and so we are going to do our best to climb that impossible mountain and get through some of them tonight. Um, you know, keep them coming because it uh, gives us something to talk about for sure during these streams. Um, and I think I mentioned this already, but we, we are currently planning our, our, um, our first, I mean, we, we kind of already had a guest appearance, uh, a couple weeks ago when we had, um, was it just a couple weeks ago or was it the last one? I feel like it might've been the last one. I think it was the last one. Um, oops. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had Scott on who's, who are, who's our community managers. That was fun. Um, we, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about his background. He got into acting at some point and, it was uh, just nice kind of reflecting on 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 that. And it was funny because that whole thing came up again with um, Ilze uh, when, when she came on. Um, uh, the, uh, Ilze, she has, uh, she has a, an acting background as well, and she got an animation, which is not a super big surprise, but yet I, I see so few people doing that transition, which is interesting. Um, but we are planning another one. We're planning one um, where uh, there is a, um, a recruiting specialist who's going to come in and uh, try to answer a lot of your recruiting questions because we keep getting more and more of those. So we figured we could sort of maybe give some perspective on the other side of the coin um, because, you know, David and I have perspective on sort of the supervision side of things, but not necessarily on the, um, the uh, you know, we, we never worked in a recruiting department before. So. I think that'll be pretty fun. So we'll let you know when that happens. And when that's, so we'll give you lots of notice. So you can show up to that special stream. Anyways, let's bring in David. There he is. Hey, Ben. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Don't forget. It's what does a heel say? I know. I just <laughs> look at it. I don't know what it is. What does an eel say? Eel say. Yeah. Uh, How was last week? I actually uh, missed it. Yeah. So it was, was, last week it was, with, uh, with Scott. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was, um, it was it, we we went we went long without uh, drill instructor instructor uh, David Hubert in, in the uh, in the room so we kind of went I think it was like an hour and a half uh, but it was it was good it was casual we just hung out and just just kind of shoot the poop a little bit and um, it was a lot of anecdotal stories that came up I had a lot of fun it's good yeah do you remember what uh, questions were tackled um, I'd have to take a look at the list but um, I did check off the ones that we did but Scott goes in there like a little. Uh, a little gremlin afterwards and uh tidies all, <laughs> and just tidies up the list. all of them yeah well he's, yeah. he's just trying to keep it nice and clean i just don't know where the, the old ones go i think they might just get deleted or something so i don't so, know which ones you so you're, you're telling me that i'll have to go check in the library to see what happened you, you, last might, week. you might have to watch the video yeah okay it's, all right. it's, you probably should anyways because we did a, we kind of talked behind your back a little bit so you should probably know what we said perfect it's good. It's i'm sure that was good entertainment oh yeah it was good <laughs> um so where do you want to start you want to start from uh, hi chat by the way sorry i forgot to say hi i don't know whether we should start well i guess we'll start from the backlog because there's no questions yet in chat so i think we can start from the backlog and do it. giving time chat a little a few minutes maybe yeah warm up yeah. a little exactly warm it up break the ice i um in scott i believe put out a bunch of social blasts um on facebook and on instagram and i think the one of the things he was putting out there was this first question we're going to put out 
which is right here. Hold on a second. It is it's a pretty broad question, uh, which I think David and I will probably even get make even a little bit more broad because animation is a pretty big topic. But specifically, mm. the question was, how can I learn acting, animation, and lip sync animation on my own? Is basically the question. I'm wondering if on my own means on my own for mm -hmm. free or just outside of the normal uh, schooling system. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like what they're saying is on my own, like self-taught, I think. Well, like self-taught meaning, yeah, accessing yeah. free material uh, as opposed to paying, going to a, a class, you know, a, your typical school, I guess. Yeah. That's how that's how I've interpreted the question. Well, let's assume someone that is starting from nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, you've never done any CG animation at all, and you're like, okay, where where to start? Mm -hmm. Uh, probably you want to get yourself a license of Maya. Mm. Um, that that's still the 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 main the software that is many maybe it used is. in animation. So although we're all looking forward to eventually having a little bit more competition, so we have yeah. many options. We have yes Maya. It's not just Maya or Motion Builder and sometime 3D Max. Uh, maybe they'll have a little bit of more Blender. Blender. Yep, in the mix. Uh, who knows? Maybe Unreal Engine is going to. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. They're, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> David <laughs> David Hubert made the call. I'm gonna bet on that horse. Yeah, I know. Like they, I I wouldn't. I just they, they seem to make everything else for everybody. So why would they? Why would they stop? You know? Why not? Why why, yeah. why stop there? Uh, get find a way to get the software. I mean, mm -hmm. if you don't know how, Google it. Uh, e even if you want to go super legit and rent a license, it's still fairly cheap now that you don't yeah. always have to purchase it you can rent a uh, you know independent uh, yeah. license which is not too too expensive yeah. get yourself some tutorial go on youtube i mean there's so so much resources uh, out there this is one of the things that we try to do with the agra community take all of this um, uh, all of this content that was uh, out there already and start to put them on in, in a place that are easily searchable but whether you start on agra studio or youtube uh, you're going to go into deep rabbit hole of you know tutorials and knowledge and all that pretty pretty rapidly. So I'd see the the quick ways to take an online class um, that's going to you know cost some money. The other side of it, if you are more proactive and motivated and, and all that and good at being self-disciplined, um, just Google it. You find YouTube and you'll find so many uh, resources. So I would say start by learning the the software and then after that go you know very gradual with the from bouncing ball to full yeah uh full-on character animation the classic the classic and this comes up a lot i mean this actually happened on sunday um which is actually something that new that happened between last time we were on stream is we had our first official free uh review session on oh, cool. uh, the public stream it was pretty cool we got awesome. through three really great uh little piece of a piece of work um I, you say one we, thing that sorry you said we yeah, uh, well, we just, I'm just saying a Gore community. It was, okay. it was, it was just me. Um, but um, the, um, there's something that seems to come up reoccurring all the time in my reviews, um, you know, either live or not live, is this thing that I always feel like I have to tell some people, hey, don't take this the wrong way, but 
learn the basics. There's a reason why there are classic starting exercises because it's going to teach you some of the fundamental things that you need. It's like the building blocks. You don't just jump into body mechanics. You need to first understand weight transfer. You need to worry like it's almost like you're you're doing kind of body mechanics, but you're doing them in these little narrow slices. And then once you start to sort of master those, you start to realize how you can put those things together and then you are able to kind of move a character around. And body mechanics should be mastered preferably before you get into um, acting stuff, in my opinion, because acting is action, as a lot of people would say. I think that's what Ed Hooks always says. And meaning you gotta like, it's just really acting is, is just moving with intent, moving with like, with motivation. And so you, you know, even if, you know, it's a whole other layer to think about because you have to get into the psychology of the character and to be able to make good choices for that character. But those choices will typically lead to action and action is movement and movement needs body mechanics. So start there start there as i see a lot of people just want to jump in and just do it right away and they get depressed and they feel discouraged because it's hard if this was easy like everyone would be doing it because it's a fun job but it's not it's not um it seems easy when you look at it kind of be like well, how hard is it you're just moving some stuff around it's like and then you start doing you're like wow like that, my brain like i don't even know like oh and um you know and then you know, you know I'll, I'll still remember the first time i started animating a quadruped and it was like I mean, that was a humbling experience because I felt like, you know, I was starting to kind of rest on those laurels. Like I kind of, I know how to animate. I mean, animation, you know, I've been doing it for a while. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, I have to relearn completely these things that I took for granted about how th something moves around with its legs. And, uh, and then you go right back to, you become a student again, like overnight. And that happens all the time. So don't be discouraged, but definitely do make yourself your life a little easier like as david said these things are easily researched the these basic starting exercises so all you got to do is um is just reach out and follow classic animation exercises you know and you're going to find the bouncing ball the sidestep the skip the like there's a bunch of them that are like you know they just it's 101 stuff yeah. start there for yeah. sure yeah that's something that we've been talking for a while uh, creating those kind of just exercise, you're just assignment that we just put on uh, agro community, which is basically, yep. oh, okay, you want to learn and now you yeah. you got a, a hand of the software and you learn how to use it and now you're ready to try some exercise and maybe yeah. eventually find yeah. uh, a mentor or someone to, to get feedback. Okay, here's from assignment one to assignment yeah. 50 uh, and try to do them in, in, in order because that's when Preferably, that's like yeah. when you, you, you build a... Uh, a building. I mean, make sure that the foundation are, are solid, and then gradually, <laughs> yeah, you can go super fast, and then you have a building yeah. that does this. But yeah. then you have to go down and go in the middle, <laughs> exactly. and it's just a mess, and and you just completely yeah, exactly. reverse the order. That yeah. the brain exactly. is supposed to process the information one, yeah, uh, step step at a time. So, like, it's understandable that you're excited by the pool on the rooftop. You know, like that's that's a cool feature about that building. Don't start there. You know, make sure that you build that foundation because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to have some problems at some point if you don't really think about making sure you have all those things under. Because in it, I think that interestingly, and I, I have an observation I made um, over the over the many years is that. 2D animation had this weird, interesting filter, like a barrier of entry. It required you to master the skill of drawing first, and it made made sure that you at least took the time to kind of learn sort of structural drawing. And like it kind of it it kind of made it in a way that if you can get to that point, you could like, oh, okay, I can graduate into animation now. But with 3D, it's like anyone with a computer now, anyone who has access to software can just start 
doing it, but so many people are just doing it wrong or they don't want to like, they don't even want to bother trying to do it the way that everyone else has learned because maybe they just are in a rush or whatever, but there's a reason why they're there. Um, and one other thing I would actually say here, by the way, I posted a little while ago, as you, as you probably have noticed the, this is the actual official link to, um, the um, the indie license that David was talking about it is much more affordable. It, you can you can rent the license uh, on a monthly basis. This is mm-hmm. meant for people who are like um, people who are um, uh, freelancing, and they you know, but they may not always need it. A copy of like why pay for a whole year if they only need it for like six months or something like that. This is a good a good option. Um, don't get me started on why they don't make this really readily available for students for free. Um, it used to I, be. It used to be. Um, it used I, to be I, uh, uh, as long as you know you had the information at what yeah. was the school and all that. Yeah. And I don't exactly. I don't remember exactly what they did, but they made it way more complicated. Yeah. By I think that your school mm-hmm. needs to be official, uh, you know, yeah, officially, officially recognized. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. recognized by Autodesk. Yeah. Uh, and I remember mm-hmm. that some online school for some reason were like not. Not yeah, uh, not recognized. Yeah, even though they've been clearly teaching animation for years and years, and arguably yeah. much better than so many of these brick and mortar schools, apparently it didn't matter because of politics and because of business decisions. And who knows? Yeah. The point is, I remember the golden era of software development where it was like 3D Studio Max versus Maya, um, and even then in Soft Image, if you go back far enough, and these three, these three titans. Yeah, if you're a dinosaur like me, three three titans were fighting for seats, and so they were like falling over themselves to get free licenses into the students hands because they knew that by you know making they, they they were essentially winning the future war right like they were starting by making sure that the people were trained on it because they knew that if they could have people that were trained on it that would create a demand it might they're playing the long game but it was it kind of worked out because autodesk was really aggressive with that um so not autodesk um alias wavefront and that was before autodesk bought them and but the but I, they were already on a really big trajectory at that point but yeah. uh, I mean, all three of them were pretty reasonable because they all understood this one simple principle. It's like, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Make sure that you get this and make it yeah. easy for people to learn. And so why Blender is so popular is because it's it's actually become, becoming very, very viable. Um, and it's always been free and they have no chance, no, no plans on changing that. Yeah, that to me, that's one of the problem. And, you know, I don't have anything, obviously, personally mm-hmm. with uh, Maya. It's still the software that we're mainly working with. Yeah, but when you when there's a monopoly, that there's one software that is way above the rest of the competition, it, it, it kind of, you know, you need this kind of healthy competition. And I'm pretty sure if there was like three king, like they used to be like Maya 3D Max and XSI, yep. Yep. Uh, I doubt that one of them will say, oh, you know what? We're going to start to charge for those uh, student license. It no, would just, it would never. The two it others will be like, okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and sink your own ship. That's fine. Like, thank you. Made our jobs, jobs a lot easier. It's it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on this because I literally will go on to a rant, but it just, it drives me literally bananas that it's even a thing. And I don't even know, like there's even laws on the books that are anti-monopoly laws, I don't know what fancy lawyer who drives probably a very, very fancy, expensive car was able to convince a judge that this was not a monopoly. They bought literally XSI. They bought um, auto, um, Alias Wayfront, the two main competitors to that whole whole sector of the industry um they could have maybe said oh well we're not buying houdini it's like well that's a joke maybe to a judge that made that seemed like a you know viable argument but obviously anybody who knew anything is houdini was never competing they were always niche they tried a few times to get into character animation but they they never really quite quite stuck and they they just started doubling down on their strength and that seemed that made them weather the storm and now people who need houdini 
they swear by Houdini. If you've ever used Houdini before, you know what I'm talking about. It's a very, very good piece of software. It's very popular with VFX, especially fluid dynamics um, and procedurally generated um, effects work. It's just it's, nothing can touch it. It's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I would say kind of it probably depends on the social impact that such monopoly might has might have. Maybe yeah. like CG animation is not doesn't have uh, uh, such uh, importance to 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 get into this kind of uh, of trouble. But for me, just to come back with how to learn, you know, acting and lip sync. For me, this is like the fourth level of your five story yeah. uh, level. Like the first one will be okay, basic mm -hmm. physics. Uh, you know, bouncing ball and whatnot. The second one would be just, you know, character animation, but just the uh, the physicality of it, the locomotion. The third one, you start to have the body acting, so pantomime uh, in that. The fourth one would be, okay, now let's <clears throat> let's start to play with uh, facial animation, including lip sync. And then the, first, the, the fifth would be like, okay, now let's put <clears throat> all of this together with the, the, the body, the facial, and then uh this is kind of level five of the uh, yeah. very simple five level of mastery of uh, character animation for david hubert's five layer cake of animation there you go you heard it first here tonight <laughs> there's only five we're making five shorts <laughs> um so i um one last thing uh, thing i'll say about this is philosophically speaking if you are interested and you want to learn on your own one of the best things you can actually learn is like you said like david said get your hands on at least the software start familiarizing yourself there's many tutorials out there but learn the tool first like don't worry about learning animation per se although you can f go ahead and do some exercises that will teach you both but basically you know go through the 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 the, the 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 tutorials and the documentation that comes with the software understand the interface understand how to use it as a tool because that's that's like your pencil you need to understand how to use it to make the things go in the way you want them to go mm -hmm. um but a thing that you one of the first things i tell people to do because animation at the end of the day theoretically is all about observation it's about training your brain to see things, especially things that are like the differences between things. And so before you get good at the timeline and see differences over time, focus at least on my moments in time. There's a reason why animators, especially 2D animators, obsess over life drawing. It's because it helps them with posing and staging and silhouettes, but it also helps them with observation. They start to understand how, like what, what makes a good looking pose. They understand um, basically how to essentially train the brain to see a pose and then recreate the pose. You don't need to learn how to animate animate uh sorry learn how to draw to do this you could just use get a rig get use maya and just learn just spend time reproducing poses mm -hmm. they could be static poses from comic books they could be static poses from photography from life if you want to learn there's lots of online um life drawing courses out there studio technique by um samantha yusuf she, she does stuff online um you could go and like like just don't don't even worry about drawing just like use use it as a means to inspire okay i want to be able to recreate that because you know what most of the new people that i that i see that are trying to animate for the first time this is the foundation level that they aren't good at so we i can say yeah use reference because you can just observe reference and then learn how to break it down and use it but if you're not good at looking at the reference even if you can point out or pick out those poses you should be using which is our a whole other talk topic of conversation but let's say you can you pick them out can you reproduce them? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes it's just hard because your brain needs to be trained. The other part is proportional changes in the rig. What if the what if it's like you're trying to map a human onto something that's not human? Like how do you transition that? How do you how do you how do you map it or remap it? So I would just say, if anything, start there because that is like literally 
like floor level zero on like your curve of learning how to move a character around. I'm not saying ignore the bouncing ball and do all that. I think you should do those things too. But if you want to practice, this is a really good, good way to practice. Yeah, and I would give a shout out to a frame by frame animation as well mm. on Facebook that is using Absolutely. that are using those you know animation that we've often seen before images yep. and they will break down. Here's your line of action. Here's your posing. Yep. Here's the negative space. Here's this. this. Just create yourself a playlist mm. of those yep. going over and over, and it's almost like your brain is slowly absorbing. And you know, eventually, with years, unconsciously, you're going yep. to recreate exactly. Um, uh, this uh, I would say the, to come back to the part of the on my own part. Mm. Uh, I would say you can learn on your own until it's time to get feedback, ideally yeah. from a professional uh, animator. Yeah. So that's kind of the extent. When you learn the software, you learn the basic. You did the observation. There's the, but you are mm. doing the assignment and you're at a point that you're pretty happy with it and you're yeah. like you, you kind of feel that you're kind of topic your own ceiling, a mm. uh, uh, skill ceiling. Uh, this is when you, you should have. Uh, professional feedback. So whether you find someone on Discord that will be willing to provide you uh, feedback for free, either you're asking Brent that provide you free feedback on, uh, I think it's Sunday? Is Sunday it on night, Sunday? Yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, whether it's purchasing a, uh, um, a review or it's to enroll in an uh, online admission school or even a traditional school, the, re the main reason you're doing that is to you know, find mm. peers, uh, develop your uh, network yep. of, of connection, being motivated and inspired by, you know, looking at each other's work, the discussion and all that. But <laughs> it's above all else to have someone, a trained eye that will yep. look at your work and spot uh, what are the things you need to improve. Because e even if you're a very fast learner and you have a natural talent and you're, let's say your animation, there's 12 out of 50 things that are working well, but you really focus on those 12 <laughs> things and, and those 38 other things are kind of your blind spot. This is the thing that, you know, a, prof a trained eye will bring to your attention yeah. and then you'll be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I need to rework on that. And you do yeah. this constantly with dozens uh, of animation <clears throat> and eventually hundreds when you're in industry and you have a lead and all that. And this is how you level up. Yeah, it's going to seem like black magic that someone with more experience will look at it and be able to go, oh, yeah, here's your problem right here. It's like bringing your car in to see like a mechanic. It's like, you know, you hear the noise, you know, something's wrong, but you don't know what. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's your carburetor. Well, wow, carburetor. I'm, what am I from the 1980s? Yes, I am. <laughs> um, yeah. Try to think of the equivalent to a carburetor because cars don't make as much weird noises anymore ever since they've become so sci-fi. But anyways, yes, um, basically, you need someone who can. Because with the experience comes recognition of patterns, right? It's mm -hmm. like we just, like David said, we are scanning something. And once we spot something, we're like, oh, I've seen that before. And I know what that, I know what that is. It's, it's all about building up enough experience over time that you have a library of, of experience to kind of flip through. You're like, oh yeah, when it makes this sound, it could be one of these things. It's almost like what a doctor does when they're diagnosing a, a problem is they kind of go through and they kind of eliminate through a pro process of, elim of elimination by maybe doing a series of tests, you know, mm -hmm. but those tests are just quick and they have they're instantaneous as you're scanning the image well this is literally how most or at least how i when i taught a lot more like close to uh, 10 years ago mm. and i think it was some point had close to 15 students so like four uh, uh, five six hours of reviews a week and you get to a pattern it's almost like you have a mental grid of those like mm -hmm. 20 different things totally. and you're like okay check 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 that's check. it 
and you just go through all of them and then you yeah. focus okay out of this grid those are the three main things that are hurting here so i'm yeah. going to focus my time on those that's it thing let's start to fix that okay good now yep. let's go with the, the 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 rest so it's exactly the same mental process when you're providing totally. this feedback absolutely yep. Okay, so hopefully we've done an okay job answering this one. It's obviously a pretty big topic. We tried. Uh, we tried our best. It's kind of like, that yeah, like <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, basically, just start, you know, and there's lots of resources out there. And, I, you know, I don't want to, like, be, you know, I don't want to be too obvious about this. But, like, you know, we do offer the review service. So you know, that that is a way when you hit that plateau and you feel like you want some feedback. That's why we designed it that way. We're like, here's all this free information. Absorb it learn it at your own rate. And then whenever you feel like you need it, because I mean, that that goes back to one of the first conversations with David and I had, which is like, where's the value in animation content online And the value is, is the connection. It's having that moment, that brief moment where somebody can be like, you're doing it wrong. And this is why, or, Hey, you're doing this right, but this could still use a little bit of work and I'll show you why. Like these, that is, it's worth its weight in gold and it doesn't need to be some big, huge, expensive thing all the time. You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to school. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you are trying to learn on your own because you have to, or you're learning further after school or whatever, like it just, we wanted that something there that was helping kind of bridge those two worlds because we saw a lot of people in limbo after getting out of school, feeling like they can't like get a job. So they want to level up. And so what do they do? Do they go back to school? It's like you could, or you could also maybe just, maybe it's time to just start building things on your own and, and then being a bit more targeted with your, with when you went with when and how you um, sort of uh, get the feedback. Yeah. I was scanning rapidly see if there was yeah, there's lots in the chat. I see one from Van Animator. That's mm, actually the who's that guy? First one. I don't know. That's name sounds familiar. Is it the first one? The when a studio? Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So when a studio has to do a test for a prospective client, do they have to sign an NDA? And what sorts of things should go in that NDA? Thanks, guys. Hmm. All right. Let's go in a complete different NDA. direction. Yeah. Here. Uh, yes. What does NDA stand for, David? Being a None business owner, you... I'm sure you've probably heard this this term before, NDA. My God, uh, I'm a <laughs> professional NDA signer, yeah. if that's a, a, a profession. Yeah. It's it a non-disclosure agreement, which yeah. basically means that whatever your client is going to provide you as uh, proprietary creative exactly. material, uh, there's nothing that you can share or talk yeah. about or... Um, so yeah, and this is extremely common practice. Very. Uh, when a studio has to do a test, yeah, for a client. So I'm assuming that a client hiring a studio, I've, you know, the, the only instances that I've seen uh, um, clients not do that with studios, it was basically because they were new in the industry and they were not aware of the yeah. standard. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. The, that's it. So yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty standard and. It's almost, it's this piece of paper that you kind of read in diagonal, but it's basically always the, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, there's a fair amount of, you know, don't share any of this material. And in terms of what, where, what is the limit of what you can talk about, often you have to use your own judgment. Like, can you tell your spouse or your kids what mm. kind of things you work on today, even if you signed an NDA? Yeah, yeah probably. That, that probably doesn't matter at all. Uh, could you tell the same to one of your friends that is actually working at a competitor that is maybe working in the yeah. same place? Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to use your own judgment. I think it, the best rule would be just absolutely follow it word for word and then literally not talk about it at all. But like, as you said, like, especially like during the pandemic, it's kind of hard to keep if you're working from home and you got kids flying around crawling on your head while you're trying to do work. Obviously, there might be a little bit of that going on. Um, but um, yeah, I think that basically it's like it, the NDA gives the company that you're working for some sort of legal sort of route to follow up on any losses that may they may incur if for whatever for whatever reason that information gets out you know game industry is particularly no, notorious for this my god they are <laughs> extremely sensitive it's like fort knox they don't I, and it's funny because it's like you know these big film productions they can be sensitive too but not nearly at the same level um the you know video game company there's just always been this veil of secrecy and they want to be extra careful that nothing gets out there and it's like as if it, it, as if somebody's going to come along and hear the idea and be like oh my god i'm going to beat them to the punch and make the game out before they do it's like that never happens it's not like where ironically it happens with films all the time but maybe that's why they should be they should be more strong with their ndas yeah you know? it's the the first time i kind of witnessed the uh the, this aura of secrecy in the video yeah. game more than other industries <laughs> Many years ago, I had uh, you know a, a head of studio in game in Montreal that actually visited Los, Los Angeles. They were in the area for E3. I was at DreamWorks back in the days, and you know had a permission to have them a badge. They came in, and I could basically walk them and show them all the design yeah. of all the pre-production that yeah. were coming for the like next decade, like. Half of those projects will never see the, the light of yep. day. But you know, once you're in, uh, th there's no specific. You can pretty much show most of. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's still this today, but ten years ago it, it was the case. And I remember the look on their face of just being amazed of the, yeah. the level mm -hmm. of. They were almost like, "Is there a security guard that's going, yeah. that's going to come in?" And <laughs> yeah. I was like, "No, relax, guys. It, it's fine. There's a yeah. lot of visitors totally. every day." Um, yeah. And, and then I, I went in game and this is when they say, okay, please don't talk about this and this yeah, and this and yeah. this. And then yeah, you're like, really? Like, yeah, to, like, like yeah, no, nothing the, ever. I, know, I, know, <laughs> I can I know. even talk about the project I'm, 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 yeah. I'm working on. Um, and you know, those have been in the game industry for a long time, let's say <clears throat> a decade and more. They're just like formatted to this secrecy that's don't even is. try to get a detail yeah. it's just like a black box you'll never know what they're totally. working on if it's not yep. enough yet yeah uh, which is and, you know i can understand from a marketing standpoint that you know you you want to make sure that when you you get to a3 and like oh my god the last of us 2 is is, is announced you want to keep this big <clears throat> marketing punch within yep. secrecy a little yep. bit like apple with their product and all that I just never understood why games and not animated feature and not VFX know. and not all those never other entertainment that kind of have, you know, marketing campaign as well. But for some reason, mm -hmm. knowing online that something might started to be uh, uh, filmed is not that much of an issue compared to yeah. video game. It's uh, I have yet to have a, a good explanation for uh, it just started it. that way and i think it just sort of kept going and i mean i mean maybe i mean like it's it's you know programmers were the ones who started the gaming industry and maybe they just tend to be like they're risk mitigators first of all i mean most programmers <laughs> i know tend to be like risk adverse so they yeah. were just like you know lock this lock, lock it all down lock it all down and like you know maybe they thought they had like the the the, the, the you know because at the back in the day when video games were thing they were new and exciting right and so i think there was a certain level of sort of like we've we got the cure for cancer 
cancer here. It's like so new and so exciting. And uh, maybe that just sort of stuck in some weird way and it doesn't need to be there, but like, it's like daylight savings time. It's like, it is the most obsolete thing in the world. We all know it, but we still go along with it because no one wants to be like, let's just stop. It's stupid. You know what I mean? So I think it might be a little bit of that. Fun yeah. fact, Pixar, just like DreamWorks, same thing. You get if you get a day pass there if you know somebody yeah. there yeah. if they got I would I had the same experience I was walking through the halls and they, they they have a team at Pixar and I'm sure they have the same thing at DreamWorks their their job is they're like they're like a gallery staff and they are always revolving the sort of the showcases that are out on the walls in the alcoves like they have like these sort of you know there's this the, the main building like the um it was the Steve Jobs building I think it's called now mm -hmm. um it's it's like there's a cafeteria and these um big stairs and then there's like it's all an atrium and you can kind of go around production uh, offices and and um and stuff like this but out there all around there on that second floor is all this beautiful production work and I think the last time I was there I saw a lot of stuff from the uh, the latest uh, start toy story way before the game the the, the 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 movie had come out like a lot of concepts and a lot of storyboards and I was like oh my god you're just showing this stuff and he's like yeah why would we not like I don't I'm like for too long. It's just like I felt like I was leaving the building, and I'm like, no, no, no one's gonna stop me from leaving. It was just it felt weird. They're like this kid in the candy store, the free yeah. candy store. That's like, totally. oh my god, can't believe it. I have no so idea what they just did. Yeah, and it's you know, well, I mean, and for me, I, I just there. Here's a fun fact. One of my first, or one of one of my first big experiences at a big video game company was at Ubisoft. And I'm not gonna get too dark, deep into the story. Some of you might have heard the legendary stories of this production they made the first avatar game they're actually making the second one right now and they, they already actually announced it but the first one that was surrounded with such gigantic veil of secrecy now interestingly even though this goes against what we were saying before this secrecy came from um um oh man is it lightstorm is that like i think it's their name of the company it's uh it's uh james cameron's production company i think it's called lightstorm yeah. i don't know why i'm forgetting but so they it was all because they themselves wanted to have a lot of secrecy that was like part of their marketing strategy i think is to make it super some revolutionary things like they were going to move the needle quite a bit when it came to digital characters in film and they did they moved it quite a bit and they were working with weta and like it was it was a it was a spectacle and i was working on the game in ubisoft even though everyone needs key cards to get in the building, there was a separate room that you needed another special key card that would put you through like a turnstile. Like it was like, it was like going into, I felt like I was going into a big like bank a, safety deposit box. Or like a grinder. Like yeah. those big metal. Kind of what it, that's what it was. It was like, yeah. and it had like, it was a big gate. Like you had, like there was no hopping it like at a Metro or like a subway station. You had to go through the turnstile. There was no other way. Um, it would, they took that very seriously. They were on a separate network. 100%. Everyone had two computers. They had the computer that was connected to the company wow. and the other computer was on a closed network that only that floor had their own sort of switch and it was it was so I guess in my mind I really got trained really early just how secret that game industry can be. Yeah. It's, they get, they take it pretty far. How how did that go for the game? Yeah, it it, it <laughs> they put a lot they spent all their money on the security I think is the problem. Let's just put it that way. Ubisoft. I'm gonna get a call from the Ubisoft lawyers tomorrow <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, look, it's no secret. The the game reviews play it yourself. I I mean, it was not. I would not consider it a great game. There was a lot of really awesome things that happened during the production of that game. Had a lot of potential, but unfortunately, I believe that we fell short in a big way. But I'm also very critical of my own work. But it 
it was not a great game. Yeah, uh, I'm still very much curious and looking forward to whatever they come up uh, mm. with next. The, the graphic are pretty amazing. I mean, Ubisoft yeah. has been building. Yeah, you know, uh, they have so many great franchises and great team over there. Yeah, like now. So I'm I'm looking forward of like 10, 12 years after what they can come up of with. Them. Yeah. I agree. I'm just glad that they were able to sort of keep that relationship alive, and uh, and they were trying to do a lot of new things. And I mean, it was it was complicated, and and we'll see. We'll see. I, I have I have a lot of faith in the next the, the next one. I've heard that it's it's actually going to be it's a very different game, very very different. So I think it almost feels like it was what the game they kind of wanted to make before, but it was it's they they just it wasn't it would it would have been difficult to make that game back mm-hmm. then. So it sounds like they might do something pretty special. So I'll I'll, I'll hold off and to check it out when it comes out. Actually, how did uh, uh, James Cameron was involved with not how, but uh, how much was involved with the uh, actually? Process? So, I, I well, we're going if there. If you want me to indulge yeah. this, I, it's it's an interesting story. I um, it was it was such a bittersweet experience because the the um, we did we flew down to L.A. on a regular basis. Um, we got screenings of the movie way before like media ever saw it, and um, I remember we were all just like, "What? Like what?" like how and um like it was crazy because at the time it was pretty it's pretty impressive i mean it hasn't it hasn't aged super well because i mean think of how much has happened since but at the time it was like i like an example would be like if you go back in time and take a look at like the you know the, the academy award for best special effects star wars won the award their year the year before was a movie called logan's run okay literally one year before <laughs> just go back and look at both those movies you'll be like what like it was like two different planets like how did they even what in the hell and um so that's what it felt like it was like a big leap when they made that movie and i think yeah. everyone knew it and uh, other yeah. people started emulating he literally pine well i can't i wouldn't give credit to james cameron only i think he perfected it the person who i believe started this idea of virtual production with virtual cameras would have been um and i always robert zemeckis so he's the one who made uh, polar express mm-hmm. um he's made a lot of movies uh he takes a lot of flack for those movies because he tends to be famous for making movies that fall that all the characters fall desperately deep into the uncanny valley um but he made a movie where he produced a movie called monster house which i highly recommend it is a decent movie about a bunch of kids and about this house that was haunted in their neighborhood and that movie was one of the first like feature films like a like you know pixar or dreamworks style film but one thing that made it very different was they were animating these scenes and finally the cameras with virtual cameras mm, okay. um and i know that you know a lot about virtual cameras because you sort of got sucked into that world in on, on tomb raider mm-hmm. and anybody who doesn't know what maybe we can do a talk on that one day but um it is a very interesting topic but if you do a little search on google or on youtube you'll see what yeah. we're talking about it's a it's a very interesting it, t- uh, technique it, it gives work. a very cinematographic uh, look yeah. to it because you're basically remimicking the, the the motion that the real yeah. cameraman would be doing so yeah. you know our eyes have been trained for so long about exactly. you know the weight of the camera and how it's moving and this little yeah. adjustment which you can reproduce with keyframe animation yeah. but it's, not easily not easily not yeah. not easily i would say the best of the best could do it but yeah you know, if you have it. one of those and it's going yeah. to take a, uh, a long time compared to an entire sequence that you exactly in the, the in the the big difference is that you're able to just reflexively just use a camera, like the way you know how to just paint, point the camera at the, at the, like if you just so a trained DOP, just get them on into a virtual camera and then they will be doing an excellent job because it's very familiar to them. So therefore it will feel like films before it. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. 
So going down to uh, yeah, Los it was Angeles, awesome. uh, uh, a lot, but in, in terms of you know the gameplay and all that, yeah. was, was no. he involved at all? Or he, it was no. more like he was in, he was there to kind of keep feeding us information to inspire us about the movie, mm -hmm. but okay. he didn't get deeply involved in the actual game process. Like there was a relationship there. There was a lot of marketing about that. It did exist. I, I'm testament to that because there was a lot of flow of information, but that flow, as far as I was concerned, was more unidirectional i know that they had feedback on the game but like i was not part of those because i'm not a designer so i was not really part of it i mean richie bainham who is was the animation director on the film really awesome guy by the way um i think he's i think he's irish if i remember correctly he is um um he's, he's still supervising somewhere i don't know if he's still supervising at lightstorm but he might be somewhere else now very talented animator vfx animator specifically but he comes from 2d like he worked on i try to remember he worked on a bunch of classics and um kind of made his way into vfx and made a real big name for himself super super great guy i i always felt really bad when i was meeting with people like this because james would be like hey brett hey maybe we can send you know richie up for like a week and i'm thinking to myself oh my god please don't because i don't want to i don't want him to just get me excited about a bunch of things that i know i'm not gonna be able to get done in the game like that's how i felt i felt like i wanted it so bad i'm like yeah do that but like yeah. but like if i if i can't guarantee that because i mean anybody who's working games before knows you can have amazing ideas in the animation department but that doesn't mean that they're going to get in the game for a variety of good reasons and sometimes mm -hmm. bad reasons but um it's a complicated beast what decides to get in a game and what gets not not in a game it's not an easy thing to explain um in one single sitting it's a it's a complex machinery yeah, and it, on top of that, if we're honest, there's not a lot of very good game that are, uh, you know, uh, feature film game no. that are no. be because, and I'm sure there's many reasons that, that I don't know about you, but basically, you know, you most of the time the game is aimed to be released at the same time of the movie, so you you might not have as much uh, time to, that that you want to yeah. to, to produce the game. There's exactly. probably some you know, things that you absolutely have to, to do. I don't know. I'm trying to find, I, I'm sure there's a couple, but I'm, but I, but the ratio of very good games that are coming as a, you know, um, with the, uh, the, the release of, uh, of the free feature, there's really not uh, a lot of them. That's no, it's, it's made, it's kind of made a bad name for itself. As a matter of fact, like the, the you know, like license titled games, mm -hmm are typically ones that are not going to be very good. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. Some people speculate it's because, well, because the game production spends so much money, money on the license so that like, what do they have? They don't have much money left over for the, um, for the actual product. And um, I don't think that that was the problem at all with the avatar game. I think that what was the issue was that for one, it was a very intimidating bar to meet. That's why when like I sit down with somebody like Richie, he's going to have amazing animation ideas. And I'm just like, Oh dude, if you had any idea how hard <laughs> that would be to make happen. And that's what I meant. Like it wasn't like there wasn't a resistance to not do it it was just like it's just like you know i can't bend time and space unfortunately as much as it sounds cool to do that i don't know and so i just felt like i would be depressed by conversations like that yeah. uh, he was always good about it and it was i never felt like i was like he'd be like okay i totally get it you know like i'm in, it, 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 but deep down like the perfectionist in me was it was it was difficult but um but yeah i think the other reason is it's like when you're you're kind of constrained a little bit right where games yeah. are a different medium and if you're trying to make a game about a movie where do you draw the line do you make it about like do you try to reproduce the movie 
do switch some games try to do do you do something that feels like it's in the same universe as the movie do you do it where it was like something that was in a in parallel with the movie like for instance it's like you get to play things that are happening during the movie but you're playing different characters for instance and you see some of the characters in the movie are starring in the game and they're there and you're interacting games have done that before but the question mm -hmm. is which one do you choose is it a mix of both many of those things so what ends up happening is it's not obvious the script is a mystery because they don't want to release that to anybody and it's like changing all the time so like you can't really depend on that anyways it would be like a logistical nightmare so there's like lots of like lots of challenges to do that well yeah. and so they add up and they end up you know this is stop people from trying still there's yep. been some there's been some i think that have been decent i think what's the last one that i i remember playing that i was like wow this is actually really good um well you painted yourself in a corner now because yeah, now no, you no, have to remember what it is <laughs> <laughs> there's a good there are good like uh, good license title games uh said nobody ever i don't know I, I i really feel like there is one i know what i'll i'll remember and then hopefully it'll it'll fall out of my brain later yeah. in the stream well let's bring What's back that? this this yeah. before the end of the stream yeah yeah uh, i think we have uh veronica that has a mm, you can always count on veronica okay let's see yeah uh, the one right above it yeah this one here that's i have no idea what it is so it's uh, official he oh. just trusts Veronica so much. Oh, no, this is the wrong no, one. No, this is not at all. That, that's this the last is, one. Is... There's a big, you know, capital Q uh, uh, before. It's literally the last message she posted. Oh, so it's at the end. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, good. That was the first one she put up. Oh, and by the way, shout out, <clears throat> chat. Just putting this little capital Q before it makes it so easier to yes. just send and see where the yes. questions. So yes. more, more of that. Please. I like that trend. Keep that up. Speaking of the politics behind productions, if you're an animator slash artist on a production, how much do fluctuations in the upper management's political environment come down to affect your job on a regular basis? And how aware will you be made of what's going on? So it doesn't, I, we learned yeah, this last stream on. that, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, definitely the higher up you are in the chain of command, the more <clears throat> you're uh, near those discussion and the, the, the stress that might be uh, coming from the, uh, the, the politics. Um, how much of the fluctuation come down to affect your job? I'm tempted to say not a lot. Let's say you're a, you know, junior mid-level yeah. or senior animator and upper. Yeah. Let's assume a two, 300 people studio with, upper management are dealing with difficulties not a lot because when most of the time i mean there's definitely a culture uh, aspect of it some studio that have a weak culture and there's a lot of gossiping and there's a lot of you know people just stressing e each other's out uh maybe it could in this environment uh, uh stress uh, everyone but in my experience for the most part if you're an artist if you know if you get to know like big thing like a production might be in jeopardy or you know there might be some laid off or there's you know whatever issue that there might be um mm -hmm. the more you're on the uh, ground level the artist doing your work uh, the less you should be affected by it because honestly <clears throat> they do not uh pay your salary for you to worry with those with those things um, obviously, the more you get to the supervisor, but more the director and producer level, then yes, you're going to be affected by this, uh, uh, by those fluctuation, by, by the totally. stress. And this is part of the, you know, quote unquote, management job that you have to, 
to to handle if you don't do good with stress if you're an anxious uh person <laughs> the higher up you're going to go in the hierarchy the more miserable your uh, life will be because <laughs> you're going to be exposed to so much you know Just shenanigans yeah so what so much thing that are going to stress you Trauma. out and at the end of the day it might be totally <clears throat> relevant because it, it yep. kind of solves itself changes uh, in a, a second yeah exactly Totally agree. Um, before I try to answer this question, I do remember the the license title, and it's actually two of them. One of them is Shadow of Mordor, mm. which I do believe yeah. it, it was based on a franchise, so it's not based on a movie. So that's what I'm saying. I think those ones that are, tend to be more successful is they build it off of the universe as opposed to trying to make it based on the movie itself. That's uh, usually because why do I want to play a movie that I'd watched? No, probably not. But do I want to experience that world? Maybe depending on how interesting the world is. So well, the Arkham City is a pretty good uh, yes. Arkham franchise is a good example of that. Very well. good example. But that's I mean, that's a comic book franchise. So it could be argued that that wasn't really based on a movie. But, you know, but yeah, so that's those are such big brands that it's like, you know, like they, they can I think that a lot of those comic book franchises do well, too. Although the Spider-Man franchises have not been successful, most of them, although mm -hmm. the most recent one did very, very well. Um, one that I'm very hopeful for and I'm excited to play myself would be the uh, Suicide Squad game by um, uh, Rocksteady. So yep. that one, I mean, their their trailer, their teaser is awesome, but I, I've learned a long time ago never judge a game by its teaser because they are two very, very different things. But I, I know that Rocksteady make good games, so I'm 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 confident that that one will come up and be pretty interesting um so answering this question um and actually one other thing i wanted to say before i answer this question because i'm going to forget if i don't one really quick last tip about the ndas which is very applicable to everybody is how it how it plays out at the end of a production so what are you allowed to put on your demo reel? You've signed this scary NDA. You haven't told anybody. You've treated your whole uh, house or home studio like Fort Knox, and you know you play by the rules, but now you want to get the next job. Maybe you're a freelancer, and that job is over. Um, the general, and I don't want to give you any legal advice here, so take that take everything I say with a grain of salt, okay? But basically, the rule of thumb is, if you want to be extra careful, wait until it's released. Once it's released and it's out in the wild, no one's going to come after you for anything. Because at the end of the day, no no judge in any any first world country, at least, is not going to put you away for trying to get more work. You know what I mean? Like they, they as much as a, a company wants to be a, a you know d bags about you know enforcing some rule, it's just not going to happen because no no animators are going to want to work for that studio if they're going to be that like draconian about their rules. But what I will tell you, a lot of people do. And again, this is not me giving you advice. I'm just saying what a lot of people are doing is if they are in that situation where the game or the film isn't released yet, but they are, they do need that next job and say they've been on a production for like two years, which happens a lot, especially in games. And they, they don't have anything recent unless they can show some stuff that they were working on. What I've seen people do is they will put it on something like Vimeo. And they will make it password protected and they really make sure that it's like they're limiting the sort of prolification of 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 that that work. And mm -hmm. um, any in and, and they they make it very clear to the people they're going to show, because think about this. If you're going to an interview and you want to show a bunch of work, 
for another game studio and you're working for one currently oh <laughs> how you handle that particular situation is going to be watched carefully because if you're going to be their new employee and you're being brazen about just sharing stuff and who cares screw these guys anyways they're they're old news it's like well you know what that might send up a bit of a flare so you want to be respectful and you want to be very upfront and they're going to respect you for that they have to because they expect their own employees to be just as as um discreet with their work so yeah. the idea is you know what don't ask uh don't tell but be extremely 100 responsible because if it does get back to you that you're somebody who's just recklessly throwing things around the internet trust me those people do get dealt with and they make a really bad name for themselves quickly yeah so watch yourself be smart about it yeah so, definitely okay. uh, sorry definitely if no, you're no. going to a studio and you go to the recruiter during the interview. Okay, I sh really shouldn't show you this, but you know, just for you guys, they're going to tell us, oh, okay, next project. When you go to the next studio, you're going to do the same thing with our uh, project. So just be careful with what yeah. you're uh, sharing. Yeah. And it, it, there is some, maybe it's not for uh, animation specifically, but there are some demo that you can do for a game that is not released or before a yeah. big GDC talk that is literally <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, if not IP, more intellectual property of, mm -hmm. uh, of some uh, some new system that no one uh, yeah. knows about yet that right. you might not want to That's it. talk too much about it. Uh, if it's for an animated feature that is already announced and there's already a marketing campaign and there's a trailer uh, out there and you're going to show your three best character animation shot within that movie that is not released, Maybe it's not the end of the day. So that, that would kind of go to the password <laughs> protected on Vimeo yeah. that you That's it. share, but only with two very specific uh, yeah. people. Totally. So like on one end of the spectrum is just wait till it's released and then you're pretty much free. On the other end, it's like, um, you know what? Well, on the other end, we're not going to talk about just being a douche and just sending it out there to everybody. But the other end of the expect acceptable spectrum would be, you know, using this password protected methodology to sort of show little, you know, pieces. If it makes sense that that is not so sensitive that it's not going to break the uh, the internet if you put it out there. Yeah. But in the middle, of course, is always the option of just asking. Just asking, like, look, I want to get another job. Like, what's your policy? It's actually not a not a bad idea to ask that during the interview, to be honest with you, because some studios are a lot more smart than others. I've seen some studios that are just like, no, their policy is just you don't. We own everything. You're not allowed to leave leave the building with anything, which no. is unreasonable because you need that work to be able to prove what you're able to do. Typically, mm -hmm. especially if you're an animator or an artist, so it's it's unrealistic. And they might just be bullying you and scaring you because they hope they're you're just going to listen. And they've just they've just mitigated that risk, right? Even though they know it's not really fair but it's not that's not their problem they're worried about making money and make getting a game out so so you can you can ask in the interview and then you can if you didn't do that you can ask when you want to send it out there and just see what their policy is before you go do it that would be my official recommendation because then at least you're following the policies and you can't get in any kind of trouble because you're asking but what 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 they say to that and, and answer that question is i don't know and what you do about it is going to be up to you um but if you do choose to share something in some in some capacity you need to be smart and discreet about it that is the only way and i i'm not even saying again that's not advice i don't want anybody in any trouble like you you got to you got to forge your own path forward i'm just saying what i see a lot of people do is that is the, usually the best option when there are no other options so yeah. Brent, what's your take on Veronica's question? This question is speaking of politics. Yeah, so I think that um, basically politics is the, just like, I don't know if I have anything to add. David, 
pretty much nailed it with it's all but a matter of perspective. I will never it never ceases to amaze me how some of the people that are, you know, more junior don't see at all some of the, the turmoil that I see when I'm a little bit higher up. And um, it puts it in a perspective, you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm just being a big whiny baby about a lot of these things. But a lot of it is just because we deal with different problems, right? Like animators, they come in, they get like, they're, they're, a bad day for an animator is typically, well, the project gets canceled, that would be a bad day for an animator. But another bad idea day for an animator would be like, oh, this, this feature on a game has completely changed and all the animations they've been working two months on just got thrown out and they have to start over again that's bad news maybe you get a lot of really harsh notes you know and maybe you have a, a, a kind of an annoying not very friendly unsupportive lead these are all these are problems that will make people leave if, if if they are dealing with that kind of discomfort for on a regular but when you start moving up the ranks you get exposed to bigger more dramatic bigger problems that are affecting more people that you feel responsible for so it does become a little bit more of a burden so as opposed to just worrying about yourself and maybe the people around you that you you would be doing if you were just an animator it becomes more difficult um up, up the ranks for sure and it's why you have to have the experience to be able to deal with that kind of stress because um it's it's not it's not a walk in the park um not yeah. every day that's for sure yeah yeah so oh, for sure d different task or a different place in the yeah. different kind of problem to now problem that, to that being with. said if if these things are affecting you and you're at a lower level then there's probably something wrong with the culture of the company maybe they're not discreet and they're just being maybe they're being too transparent maybe and like because i mean transparency is good but there are certain things that i think you probably don't like because like david said there might be a drama huge drama one day that resolves itself should i've told the whole team and like stress them out until i knew that it was an actual really big problem these are judgment calls that leaders and companies have to make on a regular basis um yeah. they want to be transparent but they feel like it's the timing's not great because like what if we just panic everybody for no good reason so yeah. you know that's the that's that's one of the thing that managers have to deal with is is you know how much information yeah. be, because we're Lock all subject line, right? to information overload and at some yeah, point, I mean, totally. you're looking at the news, you have your social media need, uh, <laughs> feed, you, you have all the work that you have to do, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you have your yeah. personal life, and then you know what's going on with the upper management, yeah. and you know that this project is unprobable. And, and at some point, it just becomes like the whirlwind, and you're, yeah. it, it, it's just difficult to, <laughs> to focus. So ideally, yes, it, it's, I think it's more uh, candor and honesty than transparency, because transparency would mean that, there you go, you see everything. Well, not not everyone there needs to see everything because at some point no. it just creates clutter and, That's and, it. and noise. That's it. So totally. it, it's just a, you're going to be open and honest, but you still recognize that, okay, all my group <clears throat> don't kneel to this with, with this uh, situation. I, no. I need to, to, to deal it with the uh, other uh, supervisors. Yep. That's for sure. And then if at some point you're like, okay, you know what? We feel that <clears throat> this is a, studio problem that we'd like to have you know feedback from so let's see a studio recognize that okay we have uh issues with uh, education we don't invest enough of it we're mm. in between project and you know our artists are literally being paid <laughs> to do nothing and rolling yeah. their thumb and looking at, at netflix why don't we have education yeah. program paid for during those, totally. those period of time then yes okay the, the upper management might have recognized the situation and then they're going to ask for everyone feedback take the mm. best you know, advice or ideas, and then they might come with a top five priority. Yeah. Uh, but it's only when it's been, you know, established that there's maybe there's a couple angry people that left before because of that reason. It's a mini crisis. Uh, the floor 
might not need to be aware of that. But if the studio recognizes that, okay, we have a problem with that, and that would be a better time investment for everyone, and that's going to help retention, and that's going to help us to have everyone grow, and then they recognize the situation, then they communicate it with uh, everyone. So that's uh, that. That's one way of those, um, you know, sharing of information is uh, typically going on in studios. Yeah, it's funny you painted a picture that kind of came up in our uh, conversation with Ilse. See, I said it right this time, um, and she was uh, where, where where that moment came up in the in the chat where uh, she was talking about this run in when she was early on in her career, and she was dealing with some sort of supervisor who kind of like. Um, um, kind of took her aside and kind of tried to prove a, make a point about her asking a question that seemed like a challenging question. Mm -hmm. And David and I kind of riffed on this going like, you know what, you know what, it's easy to make a judgment call on that because that was my first reflex. And I think David was all like, well, that seems like kind of maybe not a great supervisor. Why would they, why would they be so like, you know, but at the same time, we do, but then after a reflection, we're like, actually, then again, like no one's perfect and even good supervisors are under a lot of stress. And so maybe that was just like the, 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 you know, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back and they felt the need to be kind of be like, look, you know, you, 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 you gotta learn your place, you know, was mm -hmm. one of those kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's true. There's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot to kind of keep organized in your head. And it's, uh, there's a, there's a burden of knowledge that goes along with supervision that um, is maybe sometimes not understood or, or not very visible. Do you want to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. We have uh, literally one that just got posted. Yeah, I see that. Let's do it. Roll the dice. As directors slash managers, how much are you expected to be on call outside of work hours? And what is the work-life balance like in your previous and current roles? Wow, Ooh, look at that. That's interesting. Uh, okay, so let's say we've been in those uh, positions be before a few times. Cal, outside of work hours, uh, I do not remember allowing <laughs> my, you know, supervisor or producer or uh, all that call calling me outside of work hours. But at the same time, it's not like I was a, you know, a... Uh, I know that there's some team like the uh, IT, for instance, you know, if there's mm. a big crisis, yeah. yes, they're going to be on a call because literally everything stopped. You have three studios worldwide and, mm. uh, you know, there's been a cyber attack or there's been a leak or their service down of, yes, they're going to be uh, on call. Um, but artists, I, I think, um, or more like directors, but more of creative uh, department being on call outside of work hours, it's not something i've seen uh, a lot you might be expected to mm. do uh, overtime um and then it's your but that would be the same thing for overtime allowing the studio to go uh, outside of yeah. working hours if you're a director or doing overtime everyone is setting in their own boundary uh yep. if your boundary is like you know what i have three <laughs> kids i have a newborn i have all of those this stuff i'm going to give you the best 40 hours of my time but i'm sorry guys i cannot give one more hour i i just can't yeah. and if it doesn't work for them then it means that it's just not a good fit either you're going to be fired or you're just going to decide to you know step step away and find yeah. another studio that's going to have the kind of production and schedule and uh, management team that will allow those uh, uh, the no uh, overtime policy. So, yeah. My my opinion on overtime is simple. Um, I'm fine with overtime as long as it's, it's being compensated for, and it's mm -hmm. and it's the employee's choice. 
That's first yeah, and foremost. It's optional and compensated. Absolutely. And, and anything else, it should not be tolerated as far as I'm concerned. Um, but a lot of people do. And a lot of people, a lot of studios will try to abuse this, unfortunately. And so and some people are fine with that because maybe they work at a studio where, you know, and it's a slippery slope where you start justifying all that to yourself because it's like, oh, but look at the work I'm doing. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I agree. And, but, it, you know, th this is something, it's a very personal thing, right? You know, I think, and this is not, this transcends beyond the animation industry and gets into like, you know, health sciences and, you know, like you know, people that are researching out into the wee hours. Like I can only imagine, I can only imagine the kind of midnight oil that was burned while they were trying to sort out the vaccine for the coronavirus. Mm. I can only imagine. Yeah. There are some unsung heroes that will probably never be mentioned in history books that probably burnt themselves out really hard because they were quite literally saving the planet. Like mm. they were working on it. You know what I mean? They were they were doing some, some meaningful work. And so, you know, people that do that kind of work, they don't usually, you know, they're driven by a different mechanism. They're not there as a mercenary expecting to be paid because the, the payment of being a part of that solution was enough for them. That is a personal choice. You know what I mean? Um, and I would also say it's, it's different based on the industries. I know that VFX, unfortunately, is a little bit more guilty than others about this. Um, like, for instance, if you're a VFX soup, um, you are typically on call all the time. You're often going to be traveling during the weekends because you're going to be going on set. So it's a, but it's, but you, you're supposed to get compensated. Your salary should be accommodating that kind of access to you and your personal time in life. But that, so it comes down to personal choices, right? Do you want to work at a studio where you know that that's something that's the norm and you have a, like a new family and you can't really be away from the family that often, like in the middle of the night, then you'd pick, Pick your 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 studio accordingly because there are all kinds of shapes and sizes out there. You just have to make sure you're asking those. Do your homework and ask smart questions in the interview. Yeah, yeah, and you know, be be smart about it. Anyway, if you're having an opportunity to get a promotion to a director uh, level or even a supervisor or being hired as a director, you've been in the industry long enough to know that overtime is almost inevitable so if you're going for a director position and you're like i don't do overtime this is not something mm -hmm. i do you're going to be very upfront about it yeah. during the interview like yep. this is almost a you know this is putting your cards on the table uh, right away you didn't hire me yet so i'm going to give you the opportunity <laughs> to not hire me yeah you're totally. not be upfront uh, absolutely yeah. Absolutely. Uh, be, because you know that it, it's almost uh, inevitable if you're a director. So we'll be yeah. uh, upfront with uh, with it. Uh, there's Joe. Joe, yes. it's a comment. It, it, I want a, to talk about that too because it's a really yeah. good comment. Yeah. Well, bring bring it on so we can have it. Yeah. Below, okay. So yeah, I'll bring it up. So here. So basically, it was it was over a few comments. So I'll put up the first one that kind of started it. But basically, to sum up this point is, well, over time, if if over, it's a slippery slope, is what he's saying, and basically. Mm -hmm. Yes, studios that pay, that do compensate for the overtime, that's still a step in the right direction because trust me, there are some that don't. Um, and, and just to be clear, a lot, of, a lot of game studios especially are famous for giving you time in lieu instead of actually like actual overtime pay. Um, depending on where you live, that may or may not be legit to be honest with you. And that be, be something, and, and they could argue either way, whether that's a thing, but it's pretty standard. Um, and it's actually in a, in a way, when I think about it, it's actually kind of smarter than, than, than money. Cause then you don't have people that are killing themselves just to make a bunch of extra money. It's mm -hmm. like they get time off where they can actually recharge with their family and their loved ones. Like after that push is done, but basically you're saying like, look, if you allow it, it's great, I guess, cause it lists as long as you're compensating. But the problem is, is that now there's some, sometimes it becomes the culture that it's expected 
And mm-hmm. it's, so it's, it's, you know, you could say it's optional, but there's, there's peer pressure, right. And peer pressure and, 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 and not even beyond peer pressure, it can even be kind of passive aggressively pretty much indicated that it's not really optional. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, like they, they give you, like everyone gives you the dirty look when you go home at six, it's like, I've already put an hour in like, Jesus, it's an extra hour already. And it's like, you, cause you know, these, these, uh, these schleps are going to be sit, sitting around for the rest of like, like for like till 10 yeah. or 11. But you're like, I got like, I have to, I have to go to my freaking daughter's graduation. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go. Like it's bad when you have to feel bad about something like that. Right. Yeah. I get it. And he's right. That is a slippery slope. And I think that the studios that do the best here. And again, it comes down to, company culture and you'll get a sense of that if you do your homework is the ones i've noticed are the best that have policies that limit the amount of overtime so it's like you can do up to this much overtime for instance um it is compensated and it's like it can only be a certain number of weeks in a row you know what i mean like so that at least they try to control it not becoming the norm you know what i mean like they have kind of like a a way of timing it out it's like look because at the end of the day i'm sorry to say creative productions require sometimes that sort of that that extra push to get it across the finish line. I've always said that healthy kind of overtime is the kind of overtime that you're doing that you're excited by, that you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, and we're doing something amazing. It's like like that person who was d- figuring out the, the, the vaccine for, for COVID. For sure, people were just like, they were driven out of a passion to like solve a world problem, right? It's obviously not orders of magnitude different because you're not saving any lives with, with video games, um, but you, or, or, or for films, but basically it kind of feels like that sometimes because it's like, it's important. You got to get it done and it feels so great. You're almost there versus it's like overtime every day and you're just chasing deadlines and nothing's working and you don't feel like it's going to get done anyways. That is not good overtime. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a tool that needs to be used, but it shouldn't be abused. Yeah, I would say limiting the overtime is a great strategy. I've not seen it being applied in in most studio that that that, that, I, that I work at, or at least less than uh, half of them. But I would say again uh, on culture, if you know, I would say ideally you have a because it's most of the time is coming from the uh, head of studio, you know, whoever yeah. that that is, and usually those are kind of. Alpha personality that have a yeah. lot of influence. I mean, not just by their rank, but just by their social influence yeah. or yeah. anyone around. So let's say we have a head of studio that is very, uh, you know, sensible to this matter of, you know, it should be fine if someone doesn't want to uh, do overtime because we're a studio that want to uh, provide this work-life balance and we don't want yeah. to have a toxic environment. That the head of studio is going to talk to the upper management and is going to convince them that this is the culture of the studio here. Who then going to pass the message to the production team, yeah. uh, the producers, and then the managers, and then the directors, and, and so on. And, and basically, it, it needs to come from from the top. Otherwise. Absolutely. Different team, different project will all have mm-hmm. their own interpretation yep. of the guideline. And this totally. is where it's just, you know, whatever. It needs to be uh, policed. Yeah. It needs to be policed on both and, sides of the equation. Yeah. And, and I would say if you do are in a studio that there's no, they, they might say that, oh, we, we value uh, work-life balance, but there's no specific system to enforce yeah. that. And there's no specific. Prove uh, it. Uh, and you're, so maybe there's another team that are good with that, but you're on the team mm-hmm. that there's a lot of competition and people are doing a lot of hours and they're looking, they're giving you this thing high, thinky high when you're leaving. Stick At out. the end of the day, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it's ownership. I mean, you remain, <clears throat> you know, in power of the decision that yep. you're 
making. So I would just yeah. say, don't get yourself in a situation that you're frustrated mm. because no. you do a lot of overtime only because you don't want to feel the judgment of others. Yeah. That's uh, not th good. This is a trap that you're not going to get out of. Just be like, you know what? <clears throat> Those are my limits. You can yep. think whatever you want. Totally. Steve, Cindy, Eric, all of you guys, bless you are. You can stay until midnight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Five a. It's five p.m. I yep. go get kids, and yeah, that, that's it. And they should be like, yeah, man, see you tomorrow. Like it should be no judgment at all. And it's a, it all comes down yeah. to culture, 100%. And again, if you feel that you're being judged by your peers, by the managers, by, by the supervisors yeah. and all that, well, that's a good indicator that, you know, there's a lot of studios, uh, uh, hopefully. You might be in a situation that like, you know what, there's not a lot of studios in my city. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's not easy to find. Okay, good. Then tolerate this situation for X period of time, but be proactive. Are you working on, on your reel to start to look for other opportunities? So yep. basically don't be stuck in this box that you're frustrated about, but at the end of the day, it's your own decision just to make sure that you're not looking bad to those other people that you don't really care about anyway. Totally. I mean, jobs are relationships, right? And just like any relationship, they need boundaries. They need, you need to set your limits because if you try to pretend that those aren't important to you and you try to pretend that, you know, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Name me one relationship you've been in where you knew that there was people that the person you were with was crossing a line for you on a regular and mm -hmm. tell me how long, like, tell me how well, how well that ended. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they never end well. It is a foregone conclusion that it's not. So you're by not just dealing with it and be like, okay, I, I get it. I didn't understand that this was the culture when I got hired here. Um, you start looking for a new job. If you feel like if it's like that and it's, it's crossing that line and you don't feel like it's a, because work life balance is always and will continue to be a personal decision. Everyone's yeah. different. So, and, and coming back to the uh, the, uh, the 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 discussion that we had uh, with uh, Mike, uh, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Before uh, he'll say, uh, two weeks ago with this survey that you know what is the number one factor yeah. into happiness at work it, it, statistically. Yeah. Uh, in terms of percentage, it was work-life balance. Yeah. So that's that's usually maybe <clears throat> the third, fourth one. Like the first one might be salary, and then the yeah. other one would be the quality of the project. Yeah. Maybe the team you're going to work with, and then eventually yeah. work-life balance. No, just put that in the top. Mm. All the others should be uh, uh, under they this should. one. And it doesn't it doesn't mean no overtime. There are some people that are more than happy to do sixty hours of overtime, and that that's fine. Yeah, so you go and yeah. do it. Uh, but just be aware of what is making your own uh, work life balance, uh, satisfactory and put that above everything else. And to give everyone a little bit of hope, there are companies that are doing that. Well, I'm not going to start naming them because I don't want to pick favorites, but there are some that do this pretty well. And I think, especially in the video game industry, the, this lesson was learned very hard a few times for a few different companies. EA mm. especially have been dinged many times in the past and have, they still are trying to recover from that. Like they are still, and, um, in varying degrees of success, depending on, they have a lot of studios, so they can't like managing company culture across that many studios, I'm sure is a, uh, is um, an exercise in, uh, it's a very difficult thing to do for sure. Yeah. Um, especially cause you're in different regions in like different cultures, like just different societies. Like how do you, so it's, I get it. It's not an easy thing to do, but like they, it's made it into the news in a big way. And then they've, 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 uh, They've paid the price on a PR level and therefore on uh, it makes it more difficult for people to be willing to work for them because it's like, well, no, I heard about you know that and this and then no thanks, not for me. And they're yeah. like, man, 
So they, so studios, because it's now in the open, it's like they are trying to be a little bit like now they're now they're actually trying to market and make like a real effort. Like David's saying, it's one thing to say it's important. It's a whole other thing to prove it. Do you have a mechanism? What are your policies? Yeah. What are they policies? What can I depend on? That's those are the questions. Those are the things you should be talking about. When, when you have like when you're sitting with the HR person at the end of the interview and you're like, do you have any other questions? You're like, no, no, that that's the time right then. <laughs> can we talk about overtime? Can we talk about sick day policies? Can we can we talk about things that are the human part? Because that HR is human resources. After all, they mm -hmm. should have good answers to those questions. If they don't get the hell out. Honestly, yeah. do not take that job if those answers are either floundering or they give you answers that you know you're not willing to live with. Don't take the job. Mm. And unless there's a overwhelming reason like, oh, that's a stepping stone to another job, just make sure it ends up being that. Because I find that I'm always willing to make sacrifices if it's for the greater good. And we should all be. You know, we've all taken jobs we probably didn't really want, but we did it strategically to get to the next one. That's fine. But just don't find yourself stuck in a miserable job because mm -hmm. it's going to it's going to it's going to ruin your life. You're going to maybe change careers because of it, because you're just it's going to put such a sour taste. I have so many friends yeah. that have that they were in I right out of school. They got a job and it was really they had a bad experience and they just left. They didn't even want to try another place. And I'm that's sad, but yeah. it happens. Yeah, I would say when you go in a the you know, a big burnout that sometimes can even lead to depression for for some people it, it leaves a mark you yep. don't get back to normal like three months after or something it, nope. your energy level your motivation level your there's something in the chemistry of your brain that got disturbed that's never going to go back to how how it was to so just be very careful of what you personally could bring you into this kind yeah. of burnout situation and it's there not just overtime, but overtime is a very, very big factor in yep. most of the burnout that I've yep. witnessed. Um, Absolutely. In my career. Absolutely. Yep. Um, there's even studios that have like really crazy, like I've worked for companies where like sick days, like sick days, for instance, and this is very different for the States or in this, in, in, in uh, Canada. I know, I know we got to stop the stream because we're, we're pretty late. You're going to burn out on us. But um, <laughs> one last thought on this. Sick days are very, very different depending on the company. I like, for instance, um, um, IDOS, for instance, I said I was going to pick favorites, but they have a really, really intelligent um, sick day policy, which is um, a lot more liberal than a lot of other ones that are just like, you got three days. Three days is a, is a joke, especially if you're like a parent. Like mm -hmm. imagine you're a single parent and you're trying to do a production job and you get three sick days. Really? That, that's going to work? No. Yeah. That's unrealistic. But then it's it's funny that I would complain about something like that because um, you know, meanwhile, you know, meanwhile in the United States, the land of the home and free, they don't even have mandatory leave uh, um, for maternal maternal leave. And I'm, to me, this is just it mind blows my mind. It's like mm -hmm. if there is ever a moment where you want people to stay home and look after their young baby that was just literally just born, it would be that, that would be the moment. If you want to invest in your society moving forward, you invest in mothers that are having children and families that are having children. And um, it boggles my mind that it's like even a debate. You know what I mean? They've politicized this debate um, in a really ridiculous way. And um, it's crazy because if it just boils down to one simple thing, it's like, you just obviously don't care. Uh, now, now they, they will say, well, it's up to the corporations. It's like, well, but no, why are you putting on the corporate? Some corporations can't afford that. And like, you have to find a way of making it, of making it affordable for the corporations to be able to do this. So small businesses that can like, it's, it's, it has to be on an upper layer. It cannot leave. You can't leave it up to the, the, um, you know, anyways, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to digress too far, but the point is, is that 
there is a potpourri of different types of options out there. And you'll find studios in the States because the corporate, they decided, well, they want to be competitive and they're going to have amazing sick day policies and they're going to give you an attorney leave, but it's not standard. Mm-hmm. So you got to yeah. do your homework, people, even in Canada, you got to do your homework because everything's different here too. There but are coming, more standardizations, but. Coming back to your example at ADOS Montreal, they had actually had a no limit, no limit yeah. of sick days policy. And I, right. I know there's a lot of debate around if that's a good idea. And, you know, for me, it's a false debate. It's not a good or bad idea. Do you have a good culture or bad culture? Exactly. If you have a culture that, again, is going to look down to those that are leaving yeah. work at the end of the afternoon they might be the same one that are looking down to whoever is taking seven sick days and they're yeah. going to go like oh well <clears throat> okay they just didn't want to uh, uh get up but I, I think at adas there was a fairly good culture to disregard that no it, it's unlimited poli- uh, uh, sick days policy and we trust everyone to you know be respectful of when it makes sense to 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 use it or not uh, if too many days in a row are, are used and it might be the result of being too tired or, you know, th- yes, there are some protocol of, okay, do you need some time off? What can we do with, uh, yeah. uh, with that? But there's no question of when someone is taking a sick days, no one is questioning if he's sick or not. Yeah, of course yeah. He's, he, he's sick. And then obviously it was coming with a, uh, another policy that was, uh, they, they were pretty proactive very early with uh, remote work. Mm-hmm. So said, okay, you, you know, and and that doesn't just apply to sick days. There is a big snowstorm. It would literally <laughs> take you three hours yeah. to come yeah. to work. Just- uh, normally you would call a sick day, mm-hmm. but you might be doing nothing at home. Yep. Uh, well, you can continue to to, to work from, from home yep. if it's just five or six hours that there that's already. And, yep. you know, no one complained mm-hmm. to say, well, you know, I, I'm tempted to work if it's at home. No, everyone was like, yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes yep. it just doesn't make sense for me to physically go to yep. work for whatever reason. Sickness yep. might be one of those. Uh, but even if I have a... Mm-hmm. a a little cold and I don't feel like going to work, I might have a two or three hours to be productive today just to go through easy stuff and, you know, just mm-hmm. change my mind and that's totally fine. So again, c- c- culture is making so much difference on all the policies. Most of the time, they're not good or bad. Are they well applied or not? And that's culture. That's kind of the uh, the indicator of that. Sick day policies have always made me, baffles me because it's like it, all the arguments, take them all aside and boil it down to its simplest ingredient. It is if you are sick, even on a public health level, why would you want that person to come in and feel pressured to come in and get everyone else on the team sick so that all the productivity, like it doesn't even make any logical sense. It's like they're living in a dimension of reality that just does not exist. It does. It's just so mm. crazy when you think about it. So the, the, the basically what I expect a company to do is treat their employees like adults, right? First of all, mm-hmm. don't treat everyone like children. Treat them like responsible adults that are that are that are that with with the assumption that they are trying to be productive, and if they're not, you deal with people on a on a case by case basis because maybe they need one way or another. If someone is always sick or someone is always not able to make it in, and auto, if that's the problem, then you're going to want to investigate that anyways. There's obviously a, a an HR issue there, and so they should look into it and be like, okay, so what's going on? Can we assist you in some sort of way? Because obviously you're calling in sick like literally every week, so. You know, like we're, we're okay with you not know, you staying home. That's our policy. But I mean, it, you know, it has its limits and we're kind of worried about you. Are you actually like sick 
that often? Should do you need medical leave? Like what's going on? So mm -hmm. basically, if you think of it like that and not be lazy about it and just treat everyone like blanket children, then yeah, that's that's the way you're going to run a company. But if you're a bit, a bit more mature and a bit more um, progressive thinking, then yeah, have a policy like this and just expect people to be adults. You know, God forbid. Yep. There it is. Speaking of adults, it's your bedtime, sir. So I'm going to go ahead and just, <laughs> we're going to call the stream. Um, thank you very much for being here. As usual, David and I kind of went off on interesting tangents, but I, it was good. There was some really of good course. stuff that came up tonight. So, um, you know, I see that we see the questions as almost like conversation starters that get us onto interesting topic. Cause then we just sort of try to open our brains and pour the many, many years of experience in some way um, into an hour. And, you know, we do our best to, to make that happen. So David, thank you very much. Um, and Enjoy. yes, I know we're going to meet briefly after this meeting. I'm not going to disappear on you so i will be around um and um i'll see you next week I'll and we actually have a conversation oh, yeah, tomorrow. with tomorrow so oh, I'll, I'll let yeah. you maybe share about that if you want to. yeah yeah you so or um so your gay um and um so how do you pronounce his last name i always suck at last names Is it, oh uh, uh Vigara? Vigara? Vigara, yeah Vigara. yeah he's he's he, he's the he was the founder of um of anima warriors and uh, he's got a, you know, you probably, you, you have all the details if you've been following the social posts, because Scott is very good at putting them out there and giving you the bio. Um, he's uh, worked on a lot of amazing things. He's going to be around. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation because he's running that business now. And, and I think it's probably his, one of his primary focuses right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and uh, so he's like so many others has made that sort of transition, I guess, as it were. And part of the conversation that's going to be very interesting and kind of relates to what we talked about is that he did go through a uh, burnout, yes, which made me him leave the yeah. Well, I don't want to say leave the industry, but take a break, yeah, and which led to starting Anima Warrior and yeah. try to diver diversify, not Absolutely. to be this grind of overtime on production, yep. over production, over production. Yep. So someone that went through the entire process over a 10, 15 years uh, span uh, working at at Sony um, uh, uh, among other places so on big production um so yeah really looking forward to uh, have this part of the discussion with uh, with him and he's I don't know if you've ever seen him speak before he's very 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 nice like we have we have nice people on the show all the time but I, I think he takes sort of the prize of being definitely on, on the upper echelon of nice he's very very humble person he's going to be a really yeah. cool chat so yeah please do show up that's tomorrow afternoon um and uh yeah so I'll see you then Dave awesome all right later bye everyone bye-bye Okay, well, um, as usual, I'm going to kind of read everybody out of this. Uh, well, let me get rid of this. I'm going to finally remember to do this. Um, so yeah, so there's that stream happening. Just a quick note, um, uh, if, you, if you showed up late to the stream, there is a new thing that we're doing. And that thing is these, um, we're doing these uh, live reviews. Um, I'm, I'm doing them on my overanimated Twitch channel, but it's advertised on Agora. You Every week, we're going to be putting out on social a... Um, how I say we, I mean, pretty much Scott, because he's the one making sure that all these things happen. But he puts out a, um, a Google form that you can submit to and submit your work. All we need is your name, your email, the work itself, and like a note about the work. Um, and this is something we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future. And it's because we're, we're trying to learn and test the, um, the, the live review kind of feature that we want to roll officially into a Gore production. So we kind of want to understand it a bit better, try a couple different recipes. And so to reward people for being our guinea pigs in this experience and putting their stuff out there to be reviewed, uh, they're free. 
So what happens is essentially we do about three. Um, typically, all you got to do is Scott uh, on uh, right on point, dropping the link to the uh, for for that's for this Sunday's review. We essentially we will um, accumulate all the submissions um, up until Wednesday. We make the decision on Thursday and announce the three people. We'll reach out to you um, and let you know that you're being reviewed, so that you can try to hopefully show up to the stream. And the streams are always going to be at 10:30 p.m. starting at 10:30 p.m. Eastern Standard. So we had our very first one last Sunday. Um, it went really well. It was a lot of fun. So um, please uh, do if you're on the fence and you know you, you listen to David's uh, wisdom with regards to you getting to the point where you've been learning on your own, but now maybe it's time to get a little bit of feedback. And you're like, you know, you're humming and hawing about whether you're going to like, you know, do you go to school and get that feedback? Do you like do you just book a review on Agora community, which is very affordable as far as we're concerned, we try to make it as affordable as possible. Um, you, if, if even that doesn't work for you for some reason, or maybe you're just, you want to try before you buy, well, then that's a really good way to try. You can um, go ahead. It's a lottery based system. So we take in everybody and then we just randomly pull names from the hat. And those are the three people we'll go with. So, um, you know, come to those streams if you can Sunday, Sunday nights, um, over animated someone, can someone put my, so can someone who knows my channel, can they put it up? I'm not in Twitch. So I can't just do like, you know, channel. Um, but, um, oh yeah. Oh no, no, no. I was, I was talking about, um, oh, you'll be over there. Okay, never mind. David threw me a link, but it was for something else. So it, let me just put it right here right now. I'll just do it. HTTPS. Twitch TV. Over. Animated. There we go. That should be it. That's my channel. So that's where you'll go. But it will. you could also, you should be able to also view it from our live page, which is just agora.community slash live. Um, because... Um, I like a bunch of our other um, affiliated um, channels are um, automatically get kind of broadcast. They get rebroadcast re on our live page. Although I don't know if everyone, I, I seem to be the only one having this problem, but I'll, it's supposed to just bring the live channel up by default when you load onto that page. But for some reason, for me, it's not always the case. I sometimes have to like scan to see which channels are actually live and then click on it. Uh, in the little banner and then it'll come up. So if you don't see it right away, just search because I'll be there 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard every Sunday um, unless unless um, otherwise stated for whatever reason. Okay, so that's a new thing. So please do contribute if you want to be part of that um, or at the very least come and hang out and um, can be part of chat. That'd be awesome. We'd love to see you there. Cheers. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned. Stay animated.